welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Um, there we go. Are you good? Are you ready to learn this morning? Ready to, to receive the word? Yes? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> the, uh, I, um, I've been trying to encourage you that... Uh, oh, Excuse me, I was at the rugby yesterday. That's why I'm a wee bit chesty. Awful night if you're an Ulster supporter. We need to pray. Get on our knees and pray for that team. They are rubbish at the minute. And it does, does, my, does my mood no good at all. And do you know what really put my mood in? I went, I went to the rugby, right? Penny kissed me at the door, right? The kids kissed me at the door on the way out because it was an early match. And uh, quarter past five kickoff. And I thought, oh, do you know when you just think everything is well in the home? Little did I know they were up to something, right? <laughs> so not only did Ulster get beaten by Edinburgh, who are rubbish, but they beat us anyway. But I came home and our flipping house was transformed into Santa's flipping grotto. <laughs> and they were all standing in the hall like this waiting for me. <laughs> going, what do you think, Daddy? And I said, I told you it's no decorations. to flipping New Year's Eve or whatever. All right. We don't put decorations up in this house. But the whole, every, every, and you know, every room, they've been to home bargains and everything. And apparently they so every room you turn into, Sophie said, go in and look at that room, Daddy. <laughs> so let's just say, in that room, there's also Christmas decorations. So let's just say last night, it was all picture, no sound, as far as I was concerned. Okay, but um, I want to encourage you, get your Bibles open. We're going to flip through to the book of Joshua because I've been trying to encourage you over the last um, few weeks about you can only believe, you, you will only see, let me put it this way, you, you can only believe in your life. And when it comes to faith, and receiving what God has for you. The promises of God are written and they're always yes and amen. Everyone, everyone see that? Uh, you have to believe those yeah, and in faith. Faith just means simply trusting in the goodness and the nature of Jesus, trusting in his finished work. You can't earn those, you have to believe. And so what I've been trying to say is that in order that you, when you first believe, the order of things is you see things happen in your life on the outside, manifested, if you like, in the outside of your life when you first receive it in faith on the inside. Right? So it's like you see it in here first, you believe it in here, you go, yes, yes, Lord, and amen. And then what happens is that the fruit of that starts to come out in your life. And so it's about believing. And what I've been trying to say is this you can only believe to the, the potential of the message that you sit under. That's why we preach grace alone. Did anyone hear that, or is that just in my head? Okay, because if that was just in my head, honestly, we're in trouble this morning. Okay, the voices are one thing, but noises are something else. <laughs> I can deal with the voices, but not the, okay. <laughs> and so what I was saying is, what was I saying? Yeah, what I was saying is that's why we preach Jesus and his finished work, because that lifts the potential for what you can see in your life way beyond what you can do or what you can put your hand to. That, that, that's, that's the way. If, you, if you sit under a message which says, you must do in order for God to do, you're completely stuffed. You're going nowhere. You'll live in a cycle of defeat and condemnation, always trying for God and never actually breaking through into anything other than fits and starts, where the weight of it still rests on your shoulders. And in Numbers 14, 24, we we're looking at this guy, Caleb, a couple of weeks ago. And the Lord said, because he has a different spirit and he's followed me fully, I'll bring him into the land, which he went. The land is always talking about Canaan, okay? The promised land. 
and his descendants shall possess it. And I talked about Caleb because he wasn't, even though it's written in the Bible that he was of the tribe of Judah, he was a, a proselyte. He was adopted into that tribe. He was a, a, originally a Gentile, him and his line. And so the picture is for Jew and for Gentile, both walking into the promise that God that is received by faith. Do you get that? That was the, what, where I started off a couple of weeks ago. And I was saying the difference between law and grace is not actually just what we say or what we think we believe. It's the spirit that sits within us, which is different. And that's what marks us out. And so last week, I I, I then went on to say that they're camping in front of difficulty. And I I started to explain that the the blueprint, if you like, for, for how the Lord works in your life is always Jesus and his work. It's nothing other than Jesus and his finished work. Nothing other than the grace and the finished work of Jesus. How many times do I have to say this from different angles so we start to get it? Because when you're camped in front of difficulty, when you're going from one place to the next, and you might not be experiencing it, you know, I realize at times, lots of people, their life is okay. I mean, we're not all struggling, you know, we're not all, but lots of us are struggling. But it doesn't matter. The point is journeying towards promise because I can absolutely say this with all certainty, no matter where you think you are today, does anyone sit here this morning and go, but there's more for me? I want to see more healing, more wholeness, more fullness for me, for my children, for my children's children, for my family. Anybody? Yeah. It's not what we, so we know there is always more to, to, to be experienced. And we, you know, in one way we can be greedy for that. We can say, Lord, whatever you have blessed me with today, I am thankful. I'm going to talk about that now. But I want to see more of you in my life. This promise that you have talked about, I want more of you and your goodness in me. It's okay to be bold. In fact, the Lord loves that. He says, boldly come to the throne of grace and receive exactly what you need. Don't sit back all mealy mouthed and go, oh, well, Lord, if the Lord, bless, if the Lord wills it, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And totally butcher scripture, all right? You stand on favor ground. I've talked about that before. And what happens is uh, the, the, the blueprint is the picture of Jesus. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, it says in, in Joshua 3.3, 3, then you shall set out from your place. When you see Jesus, then set out. That's the order. Keep him in front of you, a thousand yards in front of you. And I talked about the Ark last week. Right? I talked about the ark. Remember in Exodus 25, 22, it's a picture of Jesus, uh, the mercy seat. Uh, you're guarded now in a place where the eyes are on the sacrifice, not on your work. Everything, all your rebellion and moaning and law is put underneath the seat, the mercy seat. Okay? And in that place, it says in Exodus 25, 22, there I meet you. So God always meets you at the place of Jesus's atoning work. He doesn't meet you in the place of your effort. He doesn't meet you in the place of your best intention. He doesn't meet you in the place of your failure. He doesn't meet you in the place of your frustration. He meets you where Jesus did his work. And he says, there, okay, that's where you and where heaven meets earth, where you and I collide together. And from that place, that's why the Lord says, always keep that right in front of you. Always. Let that be your view as you travel through life, as you encounter difficulties. Let your view not be left or right, but let your view be dead center onto the finished work of Christ. Amen? And so here's, the, here's that's a quick review. So let, let me get into today. And because this, this is, I just love this story. And when I get to this story, I don't know what to put in and leave out. So I'm just going to give you a big overview. How's that? All right. And um, <clears throat> because but the first thing I want to say to you is that tension there. The first thing I want to say is, and then takes a drink, is before you ever encounter any difficulty, 
God has already made the promise for your deliverance. Let me say that again, because some of you didn't get it. Before you encounter any difficulty, through grace, God has already provided the promise for your deliverance. How do we know that? In, let's go back to Joshua chapter one. You might just make a note of this first. In Joshua, Joshua, Joshua chapter one, verse three, right? The Lord said this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised to Moses. Every place, let me say it again, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. Now, at the point where the Lord is speaking that, right? They are camped, they're on a journey, but the soles of where their feet are standing are, are, are not too bad, actually. You know why? They're fed, they're provided for, they're protected. They're on a journey, they haven't reached where they want to be, but they're, they're not back in slavery. And God makes a promise to him, to them, and he says, wherever you set that foot, it's already yours. Now, that's going to be really important for what we're just about to read and what we're just about to see. Because what we have here is when we, we go backwards, back into, into, into chapters three and four, they already have that promise, like we have that promise, because what happens is the Lord is gonna show us how to walk into what he has for us. He's gonna show us how to journey through life. And he says this, as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, remember, this is a number of chapters later. And the people, as I described last week, you've got to listen to last week if you want to get the context for this. They're looking at impossibility. The, the, the picture is, as I delivered you out of, because you know the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan are two parallel stories in the Bible. One, Moses leading the people. So it's like the same power that God uses to deliver you is the same power that he uses to bring you into promise, right? That's the two pictures of the Red Sea and the Jordan together. But what happens here is that he says, now as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters, the waters, like I said to you last week, went from here to just passing George's Market and they were in full flow. If you and I were standing there, we would probably not have been that full of faith. Honestly, we would just have said, this is impossible. I don't care that there is promise on the other side of it. I cannot see in any way how I'm gonna get from where I am to where I need to go. Now, what happens is, Joshua then tells the people in verse 13, same word, and when the soles of the, of the feet of the priests, the same word, souls, right? Bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Now, let me put this together. So what happens is this word souls keeps coming up. But the, and it, it talks about where you stand and how you approach things. And what's happening here is that the Lord is saying, before your feet get wet, you need to know that even when you're gonna stand in difficulty, I have already delivered you from it. Do you get that? And so he makes the promise in your life, if you are standing right now thinking, my feet are wet, I feel like I'm up to here in it and I'm just about keeping my head above the water. What you need to understand is you need to go back to Jesus in front of you and go, because he, he promised you, them, just like he promises you, wherever your feet stand, the soles of your feet, I have given it to you. 
I've given it to, it's already done for you. It's already provided for you. And the difficulty is, if you feel the water is going up above your shoulders, it's because your eyes are not on the finished work of God's grace. Because when he promised, if you put your foot into something, if you stand on my grace, I will deliver. He meant it. And some of us need to to really catch ourselves on with this. To go, there is no point saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? All the rest of it. His promise came before the problem. And when they were in the problem, the promise delivered them. Do you get that? I'm trying to encourage you again to go, where's your vision? Where's your view? And what is consuming what you see in front of you? Because what's really interesting here is it's, it's not just the soles of their feet. There's something in that I'll come back to. That of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord. Now, this is, I'm going to have to leave this bit out. But in the Bible, there were three, there were three, there were prophets, priests, and kings. And you talk, look at the ministry of Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. And now we're, we're, we're in the same ministry, okay? I'll, I'll explain it again at some point. But when the souls of the feet bearing the priests of the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. There are two things that this means, okay? What did the, when you stand in difficulty, what do you bear? Do you know what the word bear means? Right? It means to carry. It means to take the weight off. It means to put on you. It means for it to sit on your shoulders. When you bear a weight, you carry the weight, right? And what happens here is that the, the, the picture is whenever you get to something and you're standing in difficulty, the only thing you have to bear is the presence of Jesus. That's all it is. The priests didn't bear anything else. They didn't go into the water and, and, and carry their, their ideas, their whatever, because they're just camped in front of complete difficulty. They're not going anywhere. And what happens, I wanna, I wanna ask you this question. What is it that you're bearing today? What responsibilities are on your shoulders today? What have you not let go of? What are the things that you keep carrying that are breaking your back and breaking your shoulders and weighing you down? What's the heaviness that you just go, I don't feel like I can carry this or I don't wanna carry it? Because I know for me, like I can't, I can't swim anyway as I've described it, right? Unencumbered. But if I get into difficulty and I've got weight on my shoulder, I'm definitely going down. Do you get that? But the Lord says his burden is light. It's not heavy, it's not ill-fitting, right? So when I stand, the only thing they carried was Jesus. The only thing that they carried in front of them was Jesus. They didn't have anything else. He didn't say to them, go and figure out a way in your own strength and your own ability. He didn't, they didn't say, look, you know, go and figure out, a, you know, some great strategy. He simply promised them, whenever you stand there in the waters of Jordan, the waters shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above will stand in one heap. There are two things that that means. The water was cut off from a town called Adam all the way up river in the Jordan. You can go there today, it's, it's still there. And the town of Adam, the picture is, remember, this is about us walking into promise. So whenever you stand, right, in the presence of Jesus, the, the first picture is the waters that would overcome. It talks about condemnation. It's about going all the way back to the very beginning, to the first Adam, right? It all flowed from there. All that condemnation, 
all that sin, all that mess that is coming down, which you feel like is stopping you from getting to where you need to be. The Lord says, stand there in the presence of Jesus with him in front of you and every bit of condemnation is rolled right back to the very beginning, to the very root, to the very source. The Lord says, I will take condemnation, shame, guilt, judgment and everything else. When you stand there, I've given you deliverance. And the picture is first and foremost, you will, you'll walk every bit of condemnation back out of your life, right back to the very source, which was Adam himself, right? That's the picture. That's the first picture. The second picture is this. It actually is about difficulty. It's about the challenges that, that you face every day. Because the first thing that I remind myself of, can I be honest with you? See, sometimes when you feel it, I don't know, you probably are all way more holy than me. But there's times you feel it, don't you? And you kind of go, Lord, oh, go, here we go. Anyone? And then the first thing is not like, for me, normally it's not like, oh, super faith all the time. It's like, I judge myself first and go, like, I can't expect anything more. I can, you know, this is it. This is just my lot. You know, this is just the way it's going to be. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. The same thing. And what I have to do is I've got to remind myself that in order that where I'm standing right now is blessed ground, it's favored ground, it's promised ground. And whenever I stand there in the presence of Jesus, all the condemnation rolls the whole way back to the very beginning. And he says, now you're free to walk across into the place that I've called you, into the promise that I've given you, into the health that I promised you, into the security that I promised you, into the hope that I promised you. It's all yours, but you only see the waters roll back when you bear the presence of Jesus. That's why grace is incredible. In any other way, you would stand there, you'd stick your toe in, you'd go, oh, nightmare. This is gonna be a disaster. Right? Do you mean? I'm already go, 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 going under. All right? Like, honestly, it's just, you're just waiting to drown. And the Lord says, no, 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 just stand there. Like, the, do you know in Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. The word there is arpu in, in Hebrew, and it means sink back into, relax, cease from striving, and in that place, experience me. Isn't that lovely? Just in that moment where you stand there, right? I guess what that means in faith, let me tell you something. See, to stand in the grace of God, in the grace of, in the finished work of Jesus, everything comes against you. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to have a promise, right? To know that God has promised that he's gonna deliver me. Not that he will, but he has. Where I'm standing is deliverance ground. But you know what happens? What happens when you put your feet, like figuratively put your feet in the water? You feel it, don't you? And you kind of go, I don't like this. I'm meant to be standing here, relaxing, okay? But I can feel the water and I can hear it. And it's not just around my ankles, it's splashing up around my knees and around my waist and you know what I mean? And, and what do we do whenever we start to feel stuff? Like in the natural, what do we, when we feel things, right? we quickly take a course of action which makes us feel better. So if you're standing in water and the Lord says, just stand there for one minute and relax and where do you see how I deliver you? We go, no, you're all right. I don't trust. So I'm gonna get my foot out of this water and I'm gonna either stand on the bank or try to figure out another way. Do you get that? 
It's dead easy when we're here to stand in the presence of God. But no, the, the truth of it is tomorrow, when you get that letter, when you have that phone call, when you look at your bank balance, when you feel the pain in your body to go, oh no, let me take, just take that foot out. Right? And I take myself out of the promise of God and I put myself back under the law where I'm responsible for the, for the deliverance. And the Lord says, can we learn to stand for a moment? Do you know in this world, I'll tell you what we're, we are so, so guilty of. Quick results. This, quick, move. Doesn't feel good, move on to what makes you feel good. We've bought into the lie that our feelings matter more than the promise. But what we need to understand is that our feelings will follow the promise of God. But in the short term, what we do is we buy five minutes peace, carpet right mentality, buy now, pay later. I'll buy myself five minutes peace in this moment and make myself temporarily feel good. But what we've done is we've just taken ourselves to the side of where God is trying to lead us. That's the spirit of the age that we live in today. And that's why the Lord says, sink into my grace, right? Sink into that place and rest. And rest does not mean do nothing. Rest means keep your eyes on Jesus. And does that make sense? And everything starts to come. I, I, I want you to consider what the patterns are in your life this morning. Whenever you feel the water around your feet. What are the patterns in your life? What do you go to? Who do you go to? What do you look for? Is it drink, porn? Is it like gossip? What is it? What is it that you run to to make you feel better? Because it's all there. I'm not surprised by any of it and I'm not judging it. I'm just going, you never get a deliverance through those things. They promise you everything and deliver nothing. Because as a people, we've not learned to trust in the moment that the start of the journey is looking at Jesus, his grace, his finished work, and believing I might be, what's really interesting is it doesn't feel like it whenever you put your soul, you're, you're standing with the water around your ankles. But what did the Lord promise you? Wherever you put your foot, I have delivered you. So what we've got to see is in the middle of it all, I am still going towards deliverance. And what's really interesting is there are some things, and I want to be really careful with this one. There are some, the Lord knew that they were going to have to get their feet wet. Do you get that? The Lord knew they were going to have to get their feet wet. That's why he promised them, if you put your foot there, I'm still there. Hear what I'm going to say here and be really, really grown up about it, all right? Because I don't want to be misrepresented. I don't want you to... I, I, I do believe, I, I do believe that there are things in my life, right, that I've had to walk through. Was it God's will for me? I don't think so. I don't think he, he planned it, that's what I mean. But he works all things together for good in them. Do you get that? And we don't tend to grow on the mountaintops, we tend to grow in the valleys. We find grace on the whole journey but grace really kicks in when your back's against the wall. I can say I stand here today as a trophy of God's grace. Why? Because when, honestly, like the river was 50,000 foot deep and going at 100 mile an hour, somehow he delivered me. Now God never wills badness and illness and sickness and all that sort of stuff. It's never, he never does that. As, 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 as Alan said, as Adam said, uh, you know, when he was ministering earlier on, that's not what he does. He doesn't have to do that. But we live in a broken world with broken people. And sometimes we can be on the other side of brokenness. That's why the hope of glory is in our hearts that one day we will be taken out and given, you know, new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. That's the hope of glory. 
But whilst we're here, what I absolutely believe is even when I find myself in a place where I didn't want to be, whether it was my fault, somebody else's fault, or whoever, it's irrelevant. I am, where the soles of my feet are, he will deliver me. Amen. Wherever it is, he was not surprised by it because he promised me that wherever it stood. You know what some of us need to do? Instead of going to God, you know, whatever goes through your head, sometimes actually the start of deliverance is to go, I might be right here, but I know you're here with me. That's faith. That's faith to go where I'm standing today. I might not feel it. I might not see it. I might not understand it. But your promise is that I am on deliverance ground. And what it also promises you is that whatever your difficulty is, he's right there. Because wherever you put the sole of your foot, he is. Is that okay? I love that because one of the things is when you do that, you see, it's up then to God to choose how he delivers. Let me say that again. You know what the, the difficulty is for us at times? We know where we're standing and we also know in our reckoning what's the best way to get across the river. So we stand there dipping our toes in and out and going, hey Lord, you know what? See, if you would do this, this would be really great. And then the Lord doesn't do that and then we get disappointed with the Lord and we go, you know, this grace thing doesn't work, right? <laughs> Pretty much. You should have been here on Friday night. Can I just say, for those of you who didn't come to the games night, you missed a treat. Thank you for not putting it on Facebook, everyone. Hmm. But what happens is, uh, yeah, I was just dancing like a champion. It was amazing. But what happens is, you go in, you go out, we tell God what it is. Your job is to rest in the presence of Jesus. His job is to deliver you. Don't get that mixed up. That's where we get frustrated and we get difficult and we go around in circles and we stay on the wrong side of the river because we're telling God how to get across. And he says, no, your job is just to keep Jesus in front of you. My job is to roll the waters back. Your job is to stand in my presence. My job is to do the impossible. Don't you try to do the impossible in your own strength because it's my job to do the impossible. And that's where you've got to sink into grace and trust and trust and have faith that the promise that he gave you before you found yourself there is yes and amen. Amen. And so there's, there's a couple more things I just want to say. There's, there's two things that combine that we can really learn from today. The other thing is testimony. Um, Joshua knew God. Notice that he told the people that, that God would dry up the river. How, how did he know that? Well, it's, it's a very quick point I want to make. Never, don't underestimate the power of your story and your testimony. Don't underestimate it. In the testimony, there's a primitive root in Hebrew. It's, it's ayin vav dalet. And when you put those things together, all right, there's, there's a picture, and I've said this many times, but let me show you where it comes from. Ayin vav dalet means do it again, all right? And so when Joshua was standing there, this is the, the picture of the, of the Red Sea and, and, and the... Uh, and the River Jordan. He knew the story of Moses, and there's, there's, Joshua did, and there's power in the testimony of how God works. And that testimony, as they spoke it, released the power of God in that, in that moment. So what happens is, Joshua knew that when he stood there, that there was testimony that what he was facing, right, that God would do it again. Do you know, I, I, I think for, for us, we're too quick to rush on to the next thing and not good enough at stopping and going, Lord, 
if I stay in the presence of Jesus, what I find when I, whenever I have those moments of just connecting with God, like I've said to you, when I just sit there, do you know what the Lord does? He, and it starts to make perfect sense to me because you read this in the, whole way in, the New, in the New Testament. You know, when Jesus talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he says, he will guide you and bring to your remembrance all these things, right? We think that's just about what the word says and that is, right? He will bring to remembrance that thing which is written, but he also will remind you of how he's delivered you in the past. Do you get that? And the reason why he does that, and, but if you don't spend that time with Jesus in front of you in that time of connection, you miss those moments. You don't build them into your life and they don't build faith in you. And you go from day to day to day trying to work it all out and putting your toe in, toe out and all the rest of it, and then wondering why you, every time you feel wet, you just go, no, thank you, I'm out of here, tapping out, Right? But what happens in those moments of connection, this is what Joshua had. He knew the story of Moses in the Red Sea. He knew what God had done to deliver. And so when he's standing there, right, looking, there's faith in him to go. What he did before, he's gonna do it again. He's, the soul's my feet are here. And as we stand here, we're gonna walk across. And so what happens in those moments of story and testimony, there is that ayin valdelet in, in Hebrew is, do it again, Lord. You know, even when you remember and say thank you to Jesus, that in, because when you slow yourself down, the, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance every way that he's delivered you. And what happens is when we have that in our heads, it stops us from bemoaning the lack that we see today because our attention and our heart is on how his goodness, his provision, and his story in our lives. And you might think that's just about remembering. It's not. It's about a spiritual truth in your life that there is power in that, that when you face something else, you can go, but I am consumed with the fact that he did it before. And if he did it before, he's gonna do it again. He did it before in goodness and grace and he can do it again in goodness and grace. That's why your stories with each other matter. Why? Because when you speak about what God does in your life, it releases faith in the other people here. Think about Jehoshaphat and those stories. You see how it all comes together in the Bible? It's all joined up. When Jehoshaphat and those guys, they're, they're facing like, like the priests come and they start to declare the goodness of God and what happens? The people go flipping, right? Let's go and take a whack at them, right? And all that stuff and they get excited. What I'm trying to say is this, is, is when was the, this week did you take time to slow down and just thank Jesus for his grace, put him in front of you, remember him, take communion in your homes, take communion together, take communion and pray and just say, Lord, in this moment, thank you for your goodness to me. Thank you that I stand here today, a product and a trophy of your unmerited favor. And I thank you that as you've done it for every day of my life up until now, then all my future days are blessed. And I might be standing here with water splashing around me, but where my soles and my feet are, your grace is delivering me through. Do you get that? Because the enemy will keep you distracted with many things. I've had a million Bible stories go through my head this week as I've thought about this. But you know what it is? It's the same themes going through the whole Bible. You know, like Mary and Martha, you worry about loads of things, but you just don't do this one thing. You don't sit here and let me minister to you. And so why? The fruit of that is you worry about everything and you don't sink into grace. You drown because you can't get across. And grace says there's a better way. Amen? The last thing is this. Let's just read it. We're gonna read Joshua chapter four. So when the people um, set, so, so it was Joshua 4, um, 14 through 17. So it was as the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, right? And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest so that the waters which came down upstream stood still and Israel, all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. 
Let's go on to Joshua 4, 1 to 7. And it came to pass when all the people had completely, we'll go through actually, yeah, yeah. We'll go from one through seven. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And Joshua called the 12 men who he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign amongst you, that when your children come in time, saying, What do these stones mean to you? You shall then answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask their fathers to come in time saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before until you had crossed over and the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up before us until we crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord, that the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I think, I think there's one thing here just to, just to round up. My last, my last point is, in order for grace to deliver you into promise, you need to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness. You need to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness. It strikes at the very heart of what it means to be a person who sees the fullness of God. You know, like we all know we need to be thankful, don't we? Right? We need to try and create a positive attitude, right? You need to be more positive. Uh, flip me. Good luck with that, right? I'm going to be more positive today. This week I'm going to be more positive. Who's ever said that? And then the first three numpties you meet, whether it's in your own house or when you go to work, you go, I stuff that, this whole positivity thing. I'm surrounded by absolute numpties. Isn't that right? Like, I, I found it last night. There I am in the rugby. Just a couple of things I really... I, I don't like bad drivers, of which I am not one, but I'm just going to throw that out. But bad drivers annoy me. But you know, do you know, what, do you know what I've discovered about myself as I get older? Probably getting older and cantankerous, which is a, an entire possibility. But see people who can't queue, like don't know how to join a queue. I actually find myself getting irrationally angry. There was two people at the rugby last night, and um, I was standing in a queue to get um, my brother a pint, right? And um, <laughs> walking myself with a difficulty here. So I was standing in the queue in order to get my brother a pint because he needs one. And um, so there's very orderly queues. It's all down the things, right? Right, like lines. So you're standing there and everyone's like, it's rugby, it's not football. Do you know what I mean? It's not that crowd. Oh. And um, <laughs> it's not soccer, right? So just a different kind of person goes to watch it. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're standing there and uh, you stand there for about five minutes and you're, you're you know, um, and then these two boys just casually walk up right to the front of the queue, stand there like that. I'm like, Jesus, just praying blessing over them. But it really annoys me. It really starts to tick me off. Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, so I'm talking to my brother and my brother is, um, he's funny, but you know, you could basically be punching him in the face and he would be like, 
never worry, it's not a problem. You know, he's got nothing, no, about him. So, but I couldn't help myself. So I tapped on him in the arm. I went, see that, you're, hi, right, mate? And I went, see that big queue there? That you've just walked right to the front of? And my brother's like, oh, for flip's sake. And the guy turned around and went, what, that, them? Didn't see them. I said, I will you see them now? And I just stood and I thought, I'm a lover, not a fighter, right? So, like, <laughs> this could all be going sideways very quickly. Do you know what I mean? There I am, like, boy, big lad, thinking, see, all he has to do is blow on me and I'm over. And he just looked at me like that, and his mate went, I, Italiano, Italiano, and I went, Arriva Dirty, mate, away you go. <laughs> so, do you know what? They just stood there, didn't move, but the guys who were serving the alcohol for everyone else, they, um, they saw. And so what they did was they just kept bringing everyone else up. And the guy went forward. He went, no, you just stand to the side, mate. It was you next, wasn't it? And brought everyone up. And I was just inside going, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it annoyed me. And so like five minutes later, I'm, I'm still annoyed by it. I'm going, I'm not feeling very positive right now, Peter. You know what I mean? Like, why do people do that? And he's like, chill out. Chill out. Take a wee drink of my pint, mate. It might. <laughs> Grace is easy, isn't it, when you, need, when you need it? See, when you have to give it to people, totally different story right there. And, um, but it's, it's interesting. So it actually put a dampener in them for 20 minutes. It was like, see, people like that annoy me, right? It's like Europeans do that. And we're not in Europe. We're in Belfast now. And, you know, the French don't know how to queue and all that. So that's fine. But Belfast people should know how to queue. My brother's like, shut up. You big girls blouse you, right? So anyway, but the, so the thing is then, trying to be positive, like, you know how your emotions in a moment can get hijacked? That's what I'm trying to say. I need to be more positive today. Like, as soon as you deal with one person, you're just like, oh, no. That goes out the window. And so it's amazing that, like, when you try to be legalistic and lawful, about being thankful, it never works because it puts a burden on you. You never do anything under the, you know, when I say bring the law and say you need to be more thankful, right? Everything inside you is going to go, no, all right? You don't know because it's not the way that that it meant to work. How does God set it up here? Where it's amazing how quickly we forget all that God's done for us because when you stand in water and you feel the coldness of it and you look across impossibility, everything which has happened before goes out the window. We focus too much, right, on what is yet to come at times. And we forget to go, where I have come from is a whole beautiful picture of grace. And it's amazing how quickly we forget. And God told the children of Israel, never forget. Deuteronomy, you can read it uh, from in 8, 11 through 18. He, he, he says time and time again, don't forget me. Don't forget what I've done. Because what we tend to do is we tend to consume very quickly the goodness of God for today. And then we forget, we feel hungry for it for tomorrow, but we forget that we're really well fed on God's goodness. And what happens is we tend to focus not on what's right, but what is wrong, what we don't have in terms of lack rather than what he has provided for us. Can, can I just say there's three things that will make you complain in your life? The first one is if you're stressed. You know, we, we as a response to stress in our lives, when we feel under pressure, we start to complain. So when things are pressing in on you, that's why you've got to relax into the grace of God because whenever you start to feel threat 
and you feel fear. Remember, fear is just looking at something and going, I don't have the capacity to deal with what's in front of me. And in the gap between my ability and what is needed in the situation, fear and stress arises. That's where fear, even in like the, our biological makeup, stress is a response to threat. Okay, whether it's real or imagined, we respond the same way. And so what happens is in, in Exodus 16.2, it says the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They were just stressed out. They encountered shortage, inconvenience, and so they complained bitterly. And difficult circumstances can lead to stress in your life. In the pressure of the moment, it can be difficult to do anything other than complain and go, why me? This is not fair. Why is this not working out? Why is it like that for them? And stress, okay, will cause you to complain bitterly. And when you complain bitterly, you're not standing in the goodness of God. You're consumed with self. And the Lord says, listen, this is why they take these stones with them. They bring the story of God's goodness with them. They carry it, right, on the journey to deliverance. They bring it from one side. You notice he doesn't say pick up stones on the other side. He says, see where you're standing in difficulty, where you feel the presence of God and you're gonna see my deliverance. Bring that with you. Bring something that reminds you of where you were, but where you stand today. And you know when they get to to the other side. You know why they just plant it there? Because that's not the end of the journey. The end of the, like they've got Jericho to come. They've got I to come. They've got to inhabit the land. They've got to take the whole land. But God says, listen, you might not be where you want to be. You might not have seen the full deliverance of my grace in your life, but I can guarantee you this. See right now in this moment where you stand today, you are definitely not where you were last year. God has moved for you. God has supplied for you. God has brought his goodness through for you. You are a trophy of God's grace this morning. And what you don't wanna do is stand there and, 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 and become just like the world. He says, see those moments where you saw me move and you, you've experienced my goodness. No matter how small they are, put them on your shoulder and bring them with you and plant them on the other side of your, of your, of your journey. Plant them along the way and then tell people that's the goodness of God. I am here today and have something in your your life that reminds you of where he's been faithful to you, right? And I'll tell you now, the only place to do that under grace is in the presence of Jesus where you sit there and bring nothing but just allow him to speak to you. I'll say that week after week after week because the Lord is speaking that to you, church. And if you don't do it, you should do it. Just get into the presence of Jesus and bring him nothing, no complaints, no demands, no nothing. Just sit there and let him love you because I'm gonna tell you in that moment, he's just gonna go, and reiterate and spring to your mind all of his goodness in your life. Amen. And you will walk away from those moments different. You'll walk away from those moments marked. You'll walk away from those moments with a different perspective. You might still have wet ankles and wet knees, but I'll tell you now, you'll be standing going, but he is gonna see me through. Why? Because wherever I put my feet, he has shown me. He has shown me his goodness. One last point. Are you feeling encouraged? Other thing, the other couple of things are unfulfilled desires, right? When you want something, we tend to complain about it, murmur, you know, and you know, we can turn that onto other people, actually, is the difficulty there. We can point the finger and blame when there, we have desire in our life that's unfulfilled. The last thing is selfishness, pure and simple. We don't get what we want and we don't get what we like and we're not thankful then. Whatever it is, the root is Jesus in front of you, his story brought with you, sitting and relaxing in that place of God's grace. The last thing is this, in verse two it says this, take 12 stones from out of the Jordan, right? Let me just make this last, last point again. From the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, let me just 
bring that to a close. So let me just finish it up. Everywhere you put the soles of your feet, I have given you that land. The soles of your feet will be planted in difficulty. Do you get that? That's not a lack of grace. That's where you find grace. Right? He'll work all things together for good. He's not behind your difficulty, but he'll make your difficulty work for you. Because where you've planted your feet, right? From that place, take your story of God's goodness. From the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, bring over those moments of God's goodness and faithfulness and carry them with you. The lessons that you learned, what you saw, what you experienced, how he provided for you. In all of those moments, bring them with you and don't forget them. That's not having to be thankful. That's simply remembering and believing that he brought you through. Do you see the difference? It's not about my, I'm going to be thankful. I feel pretty, oh, so pretty. You know, it's like, how's your thankfulness working today? Brilliant. Just need to avoid everybody. If I don't speak to anyone, I'll be really thankful today. Morons everywhere. It's me driving, okay? It's just a picture of me driving. It's not about that. It's not about gritting your teeth. It's about being mindful of Jesus. And just remember, right, that, do you, do you see the whole point of this talk this morning is just to keep you focused on Jesus? It's such a simple message in a way, but so actually desperately profound in other ways. Because when you walk out that door today, right, you can believe it and receive it this morning, go yes and amen, and the first bit of water that you literally feel lapping around your ankles, just check in, check in and go, where did I go in this moment? Lord, it's not to condemn you, remember? There's no condemnation because when you stand there with the water around your feet, the condemnation's been rolled right back to Adam. The path in front of you is clear. But just check in and stop for a moment and just go, Lord, right now, just remind me of your goodness and your faithfulness and your love for me. Remind me of everything that you've done. Show me again your promise. And the declaration from my mouth is that Wherever, wherever my feet are planted, you have delivered me. Amen.